Hey, this is a shout out to all pharmacy owners out there, your champions of your community during this pandemic. Your pharmacy is more important than ever before. There's a product out there I'd like you to take a look at. I'm talking about the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack. For the same copay for your patients as pen needles alone, the UltiGuard Safe Pack provides 100 premium pen needles and a sharps container all in one. When pharmacies dispense the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, they see consistently higher revenue and higher margins. Check this product out today and let us know what you think. Go to www.ultiguardsafepack forward slash podcast. That's ultiguardsafepack forward slash podcast. You can get a free sample pack on the website. Thanks for all you do as frontline healthcare providers. And thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast Network has led the podcasting space for the pharmacy industry. This network of pharmacists and pharmacy technicians leads the podcasting charts with more than 2 million downloads, 40 different stations, and new episodes every week. The Pharmacy Podcast Network is the number one podcast for the pharmacy professional. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and all your favorite podcast players. Join the Pharmacy Podcast Nation today. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, what a special opportunity interviewing Julie Charleston. She's president and CEO of Premier Dental Products, a company that develops, manufactures, and distributes innovative dental consumables and devices for the oral health professional worldwide. This is a family-run business. This has grown from the bottom up. She's a fourth generation of the Charleston family, and she's led the company, which was founded by her great-grandfather, Julius Charleston, in 1913. She is a powerhouse. She is infectious with joy and with energy. And as Premier's president and CEO, Julie was voted one of the top 25 most influential women in the entire dental industry. And we're proud to have her talking about the cross between working with dentists and pharmacists together, the opioid epidemic. And I want to thank Gil Bash from Finn Partners for bringing us this amazing interview. Let's listen in. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this inspiring interview with other pharmacy owners and pharmacists throughout our nation. You know, a patient may forget to mention a penicillin allergy to a dentist and, uh, and amoxicillin, for example, uh, the pharmacy has usually the, the patient's information in their system for drug-drug interactions, uh, drug-allergy interactions. Issues with opioids can obviously occur. Um, having an, a relationship with a dentist and pharmacist together is so important to the health. And what I realized as I, I started researching um, dentistry and how important our mouth and oral health is to longevity really opened up my eyes. So today's episode, we are so fortunate to have a, a leader and innovator in the world of dentistry, 
uh, president and CEO of Premier Dental Products and Company, Julie Charlstein. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hello, Todd. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. You are very welcome. We have a returning guest and someone who really helped to put this interview together, um, Gil Bashi with Finn Partners back on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Gil, welcome back. Thank you so much. And Todd, thank you for having me back. I think you said you'd continue to have me back until I got it right. So uh, I'm working it. I'm working it. And I brought Julie along along because she's so perfect. And the relationship, the relationship, well, she's perfect as a human being, but she's perfect for the listeners because the, the, the connection between pharmacists, particularly independent pharmacists and um, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with them for many years as also a member of um, APHA um, and dentists, because dentists are predominantly independent. There's a lot to be learned by both communities and a lot to be learned by uh, people who rely on having a relationship with a dentist or a pharmacist. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the pharmacist is acting as that hub of all of these specialists that are plugged into a patient's health. So excellent communications with your primary care, a specialist, and orthopedics, pediatrics, and then of course dentists. This is so important. So the communications between these collaborators on the Pharmacy Podcast and so many of the stations that we, we really concentrate on, it's exciting for us to have somebody um, that is so entrenched in dentistry. So we, we're going to get started. We have so many questions for you, Julie. So be ready to, uh, to um, open up. Um, 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 I'm ready. I'm listening to, to the two of you. What you're saying is, is, is really true. People often forget that dentists are medical doctors and all of these professions are interconnected. And obviously, you know, dentists, pharmacists have gotten into these industries to, to help people. And then the fundamental part of that are relationships. And from a, from a business standpoint, in addition to, of course, delivering better health, better oral health, is maintaining and sustaining these relationships so that ultimately that perpetuates the development of good oral care and good health care overall. So wanted to jump into some stats so that our listeners understand the, the compare and contrast. Many of our listeners, Julia, are pharmacy owners. We have about 23,000 independently owned pharmacies throughout the country. Give us a contrast of privately owned dentist practices out there so that we can, um, we can kind of make that comparison. So there are roughly 160,000 dentists in the U.S. and 90,000 hygienists. And I'm thinking of there's about 289,000 registered active pharmacists and 23,000 independently owned pharmacies that obviously have pharmacists involved in them. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of those pharmacies that aren't, or pharmacists that aren't part of a private organization are working for some of those national chains. And I understand in the world of um, a dentistry, we, we have the balance between privately owned pharmacy practices and then some of the corporate entities. And you know very well about growing that corporate uh, background. So give us some of your own background and tell us more about Premier. 
Sure. Um, well, I'll tell you uh, first about Premier because it is, of course, my favorite subject. Um, we are inspired solutions for daily dentistry. And what that means is we develop, we create, we manufacture the innovative consumables that oral health professionals use around the world day in and day out. So next, last time you were at your dentist, hopefully there were Premier products um, that were in your mouth and, and being used on you. Um, in terms of looking at dentistry overall and corporate, as, as you were talking about with pharmacists, private pharmacists, and then um, larger groups, we also see that in dentistry, a combination of privately owned practices and then what we call DSOs, which are dental service organizations, um, which are larger groups often owned by um, venture capital, not necessarily owned by, by the dentists, and those continue to, to grow. So when I think of dentists and being out there, I think they are very close and in common with pharmacists because your opening statement, Julie, was these are doctors and pharmacists get that same kind of, you know, push off um, kind of approach from the rest of the community of what is healthcare and being providers. As a matter of fact, they're fighting for, for provider status as we speak. And several states do have uh, so-called provider status to get payment through CMS and Medicaid and Medicare Part D and many of the ways that pharma pharmacists get paid. But the respect that, that dentists don't receive through other healthcare providers, I think that's melting away. I think we're finally getting to a point where people realize, wow, this is an educated highly educated medical professional that really understands the intricacies of of the human makeup and, and and how important oral health is and you know i was born 1972 and and we didn't know oral health uh, back then when i was five ten even uh 18 years old really didn't realize the importance of oral health and now it's all coming to life uh, to light so i i think that oral health and pharmacy in the in the, the the colliding of the two and the working of the two and collaboration, especially with things like the opioid epidemic, is more important than ever before. You know, I was thinking of Julie's expertise, which is you know so panoramic um, when you think of the dentist and, and Todd, your comment, and I'd be interested in hearing Julie's thoughts because. Um, We've learned so much about the, the health of the mouth, and I'm not talking about just the teeth or the gums or the nerves, um, but, but actually we're seeing so much more in terms of, of um, diabetes and heart disease and cancer as being diagnosed by way of, of dental care. And I, I, I'd be curious, Julie, what you and Premier and the dental community have been doing, to, uh, not, not to make sure that dentists play a larger role in diagnosing of disease earlier, intervening in disease, but, but I'd be curious to know how innovation and information has enabled dentists to play that frontline role. Well, what, what you're saying is, is absolutely true people are finally beginning to realize not the respect to the dentist, because I believe that that, you know, has, has been there, as we were saying, they're, they're medical doctors, but the link between oral health and overall health, the recognition that 
the mouth, as you were saying, Gil, is an integral part of their overall health and, and, and their body. And the dentist is very often the front line of diagnoses. Um, and there are many technologies and innovations that, that allow for that. Um, another thing that people probably don't realize about dentists and dental offices is they're really kind of like mini innovation labs. There's so much new technology and innovation that dentists have available to them to treat their patients in the most optimal way. Yeah, I'm just saying that this is, um, you know, I, since no Todd sort of shot out when he was born, I'm, I'm a little older. And of course, <laughs> um, I, I remember the basic aspects of dental care was a chair and a, a pick. I don't think there was a water fountain that actually squirted water into a little cup at that point. I don't, I'm not saying <laughs> that they drew it from a well and brought it into the dentist's <laughs> office. I'm not that old, but... But you know, when I think of the technology today of just even um, x-raying without having to put a little, you know, sort of like x-ray plate in your mouth with a little machine mm -hmm. in your jaw, just standing in front of a machine and putting your mouth on a device that takes a panoramic view. Um, the, you know, the technology in the dentist's office is just unbelievable today. I mean, what have you yes, things, what are you things, doing about that? Exactly, you know, what you're talking about. My, um, my grandfather was actually a dentist and I remember going to his office as a child, um, you know, and it looking so different than what it looks like today. What you're talking about in terms of the x-rays, there's cone beam technology, that's what it's called. There's, there's CAD cam, there's clear aligners. There's also smart technology in terms of materials, um, things that, that you can put in the regular materials that now are able to elute minerals, things to make your teeth stronger. Um, so there are many different elements of innovation from actual like hardware technology to materials to instrumentation. It's constantly, the field is constantly evolving and our business is constantly evolving. From the Turo College of Dental Medicine, known as TCDM, they've come up with a 3D printer that will actually scan the mouth and be able to show for oral surgeons exactly what cuts to make and what inserts to place in. And it's gone way beyond its Star Trek level. And me just saying it <laughs> shows my... My, my age in and of itself, but I think that's absolutely amazing. There in itself, within the article that I'm reading from Turo College Dental Medicine, has referenced the working with pharmacists as follow-up for pain management and mm -hmm. how the PDMP and in processing opioids, there's a controversy here that I disagree with, and I want your feedback on this, Julie. I think that physicians who have good standing practice pharmacists who are good in good standing, dentists that are in good standing, they need to have the leverage and the, and the ability to prescribe to their patients anything that they see fit. And I think that regulations in some manner, because of this big push for opioid, you know, the opioid epidemic per se, and what Purdue did to blow this whole thing up, is, is not the right move. So for example, Dentists today can only prescribe a seven-day supply of a pain reliever, and with serious oral surgery and follow-up, um, I think that that is putting a lot of pressure 
on the dentist slash physician slash pharmacist collaboration where those three minds, and if you add up all of their education, we're talking about millions of dollars of education and all of this experience, we need to leave it to those three individuals to make those decisions and really stop this you know, I understand the epidemic, I understand what happened, but I think that there's a, there's a balance between prescribing and follow-up and therapy and, and the regulations. And what do you, what do you think of, of that subject? I think that we're seeing a lot of changes overall. Um, and what, what we've typically seen, obviously we've never seen anything to this magnitude, um, but we have seen different regulatory changes or different um, treatment changes. And what, what we've seen is it starts on one end of the spectrum and then comes to the other end of the spectrum. And then eventually um, it, it settles in a, a midline place. And I think the collaboration between these three and as things you know, start, this starts to become even more of a new normal, we'll probably begin to see changes there as well. I agree with you. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're raising a very critical question that deals also, Todd, with you know, looking at this in the COVID-19 era, um, where we're, we're looking to disrupt the health system. And historically, the, the tension has existed where people, um, they, they wanted to protect turf to some extent. And you know, doctors obviously are very religious about what they think is is the area their area of expertise, and that they you know feel that they're they have the best interests of the patient at heart. But I you know I think that you as a as a person who goes to the dentist and the pharmacist, and, and Julie is really an ambassador for dentists, um, could probably speak to uh, dentists. Dentists are medically trained. And in the areas of expertise that they deal with, they, they know um, nerve-related and, um, and sort of uh, injury-related pain quite well. They know infection. They study the mouth has unique anti-infective properties. Uh, dentists appreciate this more than perhaps other medical specialties. So the thought of impeding the dentist's ability to care for the um, health and well-being and comfort of the patient is an obstacle to care. That's one thing that I think would concern me. The other aspect is, you know, we really have to take a look at access to care. This country has a, a disproportionate amount of people who face health disparities dealing from economics, racism, um, bias, fear, fear of doctors or health system, many different reasons are resulting in health disparities. If someone gets to a dentist and needs an antibiotic or a, uh, a pain medication under consideration, you know, I would hope that the system is actually going to rally to the dentist as we go forward. And, and we see this because once upon a time, we couldn't see our doctor by way of the video screen, our, our computer monitors. Now, of course, FDA says, sure, let's do telehealth. Why? COVID-19. I think COVID-19 is actually both raising um, bars, raising, creating obstacles, and it's lowering obstacles. I think one of the obstacles that has to be lowered is, is access to good dental care and, and good medicine. 
Absolutely. Uh, Julie, when I think of dentists and I compare primary care, pharmacy, and dental care and, and what dentists have to go through, I think of a study that came out of the British Dental Journal which examined dentistry in the global context of this pandemic. And the, and the study that I'm referencing, which will be in the show notes, really highlights okay. the moral status of dental health care, person, personnel in, in care, dental technicians, and how if you think of the mouth and you think of how we're covering our faces with masks and you're thinking of the interaction between a dentist and a patient, I can't think between those three healthcare providers, boy, I tell you what, it's the dentist that is more involved in the fluids and the saliva and the sneezing and, and getting involved. And I think during this pandemic, that, that's a huge stress on dentists. I have to give kudos to them. <laughs> No, absolutely. The, the good news is, is that pre-COVID, dentists were already operating to the highest levels of protocol in terms of sterilization, sanitation, and protection. So now it has only elevated that. So instead of one mask, they're wearing two masks. Instead of one pair of gloves, they're wearing two pair of, pairs of gloves. Um, so what we've seen is taking an already very strict, very stringent, very reliable, very trustworthy protocol that has almost been you know, put on steroids. Um, and they, it is a, a very safe environment. I was at the dentist today, as I shared with you earlier, and was actually um, at the dentist two weeks ago getting um, a root canal. And um, I, I have to be honest, it's one of the safest places that, that I've felt because I know um, how much care they, they are taking. Yeah, I know. I, I would say, Julie, that one of the things that I've, I've been following about you and Premier, and thinking of Todd's question, where you know, there's a very, there's a very um, strong connection between uh, patient and dentist. You know, it's, it's a family connection. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I, I think about that really impacted um, in terms of health is, is dental care. I mean, initially, I've, I would probably say the first two months, and you would know best during the pandemic and the concept of social distancing, is that you know, people stayed in place and they could, should continue to social distance. And if they can't wear a mask, of course. But you immediately um, mobilized to uh, put dentists back in a situation where they could comfortably go back into their dental offices, bring their staff back in, and see people who really had, like you mentioned earlier, like, I need a root canal. I need a filling. Right. <laughs> my, my, my crown has fallen off. My... My, this is cracked. Um, you know, this this hurts me. I mean, you put people back in the place where they could do that with with utmost care. And you know, I, I, hearing the story from myself, I thought it was it was like Ernest Shackleton. You turned around and <laughs> in a sector of health around on a dime. You know, I, well, I, I, I need to hear about this also, because obviously we're using in my home an independent pharmacist, and. You know that while they're delivering to our house, if I had to go in, I would expect them to be using all of the um, uh, more professional uh, personal protection equipment that dentists have available. I mean, what was the secret? Well, <laughs> what, thank you. And what what you're saying is 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 true. When when this all started, 
for us, for the pharmacists, for every industry, it was almost as if the world stopped. Um, and you said, you know, now the delivery of the pharmacy, I'm sure they saw that increase, but their regular standard walk-in business really shifted. And that's what we saw in terms of dentistry and in terms of Premier. Basically, the world stopped. Um, and there was a need and there was a, uh, a, an, an absence all at the same time. So we said, okay, look, the standard business right now is not being done. But what needs to be done? How can we help the dentists that are working? And what will help them when they eventually come back? and what will ha help Premier as a business. Um, so one of the first things that we did is we have a manufacturing facility where we manufacture um, standard dental products. We, we do a lot of um, instrumentation, um, uh, disposable burrs, things along those lines, hard, hard materials. And we said, okay, well, we don't, have the, we don't have the necessity to be manufacturing those things right now. What can we do? So we converted part of the manufacturing facility to manufacture and develop hand sanitizer. And we did this within five weeks and we had a saleable hand sanitizer on the market. It's called Tizit, um, which you can get on uh, premierdentalco.com as well as Amazon. And that was the, the first initiative that we took. Okay, and it also served quite honestly to bring our people back to work. So we were able to bring our people back to work. We were able to create a sense of importance, a sense of urgency, and a product that was needed in the marketplace. And then with that, we also started to look at other PPE that was scarce. And look, we're, you know, like we were saying, doctors or medical professionals, our products are, are you know, FDA medical approved devices um, that also people don't think about. So having that expertise, what else can we bring to, to the marketplace that'll be needed um, eventually? So we started getting into, into face shields and we also elevated products. Interestingly enough, we had a product that had launched just before COVID that was another um, PPE product that actually protected the, the materials themselves um, where the dentists are so careful that not only do they cover themselves, but they cover all of the products. <laughs> um, so we were well aligned to be able to help the dentists that were working and get them back when they were all ready to come back en masse. And of course, you know, keep our business elevated and keep people energized and make them feel connected to the importance of, of what we do and how we contribute to healthcare. You know, I was, Julie, you said something, and I, 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 I'm curious of Todd's reaction as well. I, I saw a piece in the Wall Street Journal that not all masks are created equal, not all face shields are created equal. You just mentioned about, you know, ties it and the face shield and mask and, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm assuming that the, the products you provide dentists are not the same products I could sort of like pick up and like a, like a convenience store in terms of a face shield. I mean, are there differences between a dentist face shield and a, like I got this in the uh, convenience store along with milk face shield? Right, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, we, we are able to, 
get them from, from sources that are making medical products. So they are higher grade, higher quality. They go through our QC process, other QC processes. And of course, the things that we manufacture ourselves are being done in our FDA registered facilities. So there absolutely is, is a difference. Yeah, I, I've read that researchers found that the masks that they studied that are double stitched for the common person, not the healthcare provider, are higher quality than what we see when we walk into a Walmart. And that's always the the, the litmus test of a of a culture per se. And you'll see the uncovered, you'll see bandanas, you'll see folded handkerchiefs, right. and it's that double stitched. Um, you know, uh, mask that uh, is providing the best public um, protection. But when you get into dentistry, they're they're coming up with. I remember before even this happened, I went to a dentist the last time was just about a year ago. My dental technician that was doing my cleaning, she actually had a face shield on already. So I can yeah. only imagine, as you said, Julie, that if dentistry has already been pro, um, practicing this hygiene and this safety because of what they know. These scientists that are dentists, these medical professionals that are dentists, the doctors, they understand how um, someone who may have a slight cold or, or an allergy or whatever it is that they're, they're making that, that environment as, as clean as possible. And I'd rather show up at a dentist office right now than an emergency room to tell you the truth. No, I Agreed. 100%. Absolutely. Like you said, well, first of all, if it's been a little over a year since you've been to the dentist, Todd, you're overdue, my friend. So, <laughs> you know, when, when we get off, you gotta, you gotta be calling your office. <laughs> um, but what you're saying is absolutely true because it's in a controlled environment. It's very different from an emergency room on the whole. It's a controlled, smaller environment where these hygienic sanitation protocols have been in place long before. Like you said, face shields, these are not some things that were invented in, in March 2020. Uh, and dental offices have been using those and other protective equipment for, for years. So if a, if a pharmacist is listening, a pharmacy owner is listening, and they feel that it's an opportunity for them as a business owner to... Um, to reach out to Premier, to network with your team, to network with your customers, how would they go about that? And, and if there's some links that we can put in the show notes, I'm definitely going to do so because I'm all about promoting this collaboration between primary care, dentists, and pharmacists. Well, first of all, thank you. And it's interesting that you're talking about the collaboration um, because Premier's business is built on four pillars. And the first one is deeply connected. That is the most important thing to us at Premier, because through those connections, dentists, entrepreneurs, universities, employees, in this instance, possibly pharmacists, through those connections is how we develop our next pillar, which is meaningful innovation. So those things are really what sustain us. And once we have that meaningful innovation, um, then we are able to go out into the marketplace and ultimately become what we call undeniably proven. So in terms of collaborating with pharmacists, I would definitely encourage them to go to our website, which is premierdentalco.com. 
and there they can see all of the different types of, of products. Um, I think that one for the pharmacist that might be especially collaborative would be the channel where we have just the PPE, the personal protective equipment, which is premierdentalstore.com. And that's focused solely on the PPE. And there could be an opportunity there in terms of you know distribution of those products. We also have um, a very innovative toothpaste that um, I love. <laughs> it's called Enamelon, which we were talking about smart materials, has all of this different technology involved in it um, to remineralize your teeth, to strengthen your teeth. Um, but the things that you'll be able to feel is it actually makes your teeth smoother and um, it reduces sensitivity. So products like that could also be um, made into a partnership in terms of distribution because obviously at pharmacies there's a lot of toothpaste being sold so there are definitely those opportunities for you know premier products to intersect with what's going on at those private pharmacies so i appreciate your being able to make that connection absolutely the community pharmacist is always looking for ways of of networking and providing more services to their patients in their community and that's really how we strengthen uh, our nation and, and healthcare in general are these collaborations. So I thank you for that. So just thinking of this conversation and the, and the dentists, when we're, we're thinking about innovation, we're thinking about the connection. Um, Julie, how are, how are dentists doing right now uh, emotionally from all this? They, they have relationships with their patients, um, much like an independent pharmacist. I mean, one of the reasons why we use an independent pharmacist that's in our town is that it, it, it's not transactional. They, they are actually concerned about our, our health and well-being. You know, when you see a dentist twice a year, and Todd, I pay attention to Julie's <laughs> advice, when you see a dentist twice a year, um, it, it's not a casual relationship, especially right. over the years in, in a family. I, I'd be just curious because you know, I think one of the strangest things when I speak to people going into pharmacy, um, uh, whether they're starting, they're still in the game, and I see a lot of second-generation pharmacists. I see a lot of second-generation dentists. Um, I'd be curious about that. How are dentists doing with the fact that they're also being separated from their patients right now? It's, it's so interesting that you say that because the dentist who I went to today, she is a second generation dentist. And before the appointment, as everyone is doing, you know, they're sending out COVID surveys and appointment reminders. And one of the primary elements on these communications is we miss talking to you um, and we miss seeing your smiles. We know though that we're all going to be wearing masks, so please don't, you know, to construe this as, you know, us not being our wonderful, friendly, charming selves and not wanting to hear what's going on with you. So it's something that's very prevalent in their, in their minds because, yes, this is a connection that, that you have with the office, with the dentist, with the people working there. Um, but I think pri primarily, you know, the doctors are very, very happy to be seeing their patients on a regular basis now again. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine that's the case right now. I mean, I mean Todd, you're living in the pharmacy community day in and day out. Um, you now you see the comparison between independent pharmacists and, and the dentists who are predominantly independent medical practitioners. 
you know, I think dentistry is is really one of the you know the last vanguards of of um of the person who's sort of made a choice to open up a put their shingle out, so to speak, as doctors yeah. used to do once upon a time. Independent dentists make that heroic decision as well. Um, it's entrepreneurial, it's patient-centric. Um, I'd be curious to get your perspective as an expert on the community. You know, I, I know the stress that pharmacy uh, is going through and the pharmacist, especially in those chain environments where they're working eight, 10, 12 hours a day, some of them not receiving the breaks that they need um, and, and when they complain, they're, they're being shunned in order to keep up with the demand on, uh, on, on prescriptions that um, are maintenance meds, but more so now with, with COVID-19, other things that are heightening concerns of patients that they're asking for more time of the uh, pharmacist in counseling. You come from the physician uh, with a prescription. You come from the dentist with a prescription and you go to the pharmacy and you have questions about it. And sometimes the pharmacist, which is required by law to give you counseling, sometimes that counseling is uh, is minimal because of the, the pressure that's placed on uh, pharmacists, which really brings me back, as I mentioned uh, before we started recording, Julie, the need for uh, pharmacy benefit management reform. And we've seen Ellen Gabler, who's a writer for uh, Wall Street Journal, or I'm sorry, uh, pharmacy, um, the New York Times, where she identified um, the stress that's placed on pharmacists and pharmacies to produce and, and the concern that that's putting in, on public safety. So there's a lot to that. And I think it's just been uh, compounded by, uh, by, the, by the pandemic. I think that what, what, we're, what we're seeing is, you know, you were saying these are independent pharmacy owners, so they have to deal with their healthcare professionals, but then they're also business owners, they're entrepreneurs like dentists. So they're dealing with, you know, a multitude of different responsibilities. Um, you know, it's not like you're, you're just concentrating on one thing. When you own this independent practice, this independent pharmacy, your role really, really expands. You're not just a dentist, you're a boss, you're an operations manager, um, you're a real estate owner. You know, you're a lot of things that fall out of your medical licensing purview. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, I have enjoyed this conversation. I know our listeners who are pharmacists who know their dentist and their community that they work with to care for their common patients together in the collaboration that's important, especially for those patients who uh, have more sensitivity and more need for um, for dentists uh, involvement in their health and then how that folds back to the triangle of care between primary care pharmacy and, and their dentist so I really enjoyed this conversation Gil I thank you so much for uh, for setting this interview up with You're Julie so welcome Todd I you know I think that there's a lot for us to learn from each other and uh, you know you brought something that i thought was so important um the local pharmacist and the local dentist have to work to each to with each other you know often the pharmacist sees a lot about the patient's history and that may be overlooked when the dentist asks the patient and so i think that they can learn from each other 
I think that they actually share a common bond, which is the health and well-being of, of a person. We call them patients, but they're really, I think the dentists and the pharmacists would also call them customers. And that's very different than other medical professions, professionals that actually see this um, from a white coat standpoint, where the, the, the person who has a health need is this other thing. They're a, they become a noun rather than a, a person. Absolutely. Julie, thank you so much for being our guest. If you have any dentists who you think are uh, rock stars, who are customers of Premier that you'd like to have come on, we have a series called Care Collaboration. And we usually have a primary care or a researcher or a clinician or even a nurse practitioner talking with a fellow pharmacist. So I'd love to put together a care collaboration between one of your uh, dentists and, and one of our pharmacists. Oh, that would be great. Should That would be great. I'd love to do that. Absolutely. We'll arrange that. I'll have some links in the show notes for anyone listening to this episode <laughs> of the Pharmacy Podcast to reach out to Premier. And, um, and like I said, uh, Gil, it's been awesome to work with you and Finn Partners. And we are, we are excited about uh, the future of, of this publication as well as what's happening uh, post-COVID-19 and the importance of working together with uh, primary care dentistry and, and pharmacists. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Todd. I've really enjoyed this. I appreciate your having me. And thank you, Gil, for allowing me to participate.